0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It's great to have you here. Who has been enjoying our Presence series? So much enthusiasm. Who's been enjoying our Presence series? I've been loving it. I shared a little bit last week that, that the, the 21 day season of prayer and fasting that we had, I, I really felt like God changed something in me. It wasn't earth shattering, there was no great bolts of lightning from the sky. But as I leant in, as I got, as I, I started to practice again some of the disciplines that I had let slip in my life. I just did something. You know, Dr. Caroline Leaf says 20, it takes 21 days to detox your brain. And I really felt that that 21 days just really reset my heart and my mind towards God. And a week after, I'm still going good, still going strong, and I hope the same is, is true for you. I've really learned again all over and over again the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But the challenge with every good series is how do I keep practicing the presence of God? How do I keep leaning into the presence of God when it's finished here in church, where I'm not hearing it from um, up on stage or we're not talking about it in life groups? How do I keep practicing the presence of God? How do I live in that space continually? And my hope and prayer for us as a church is that what God has started in us, the fire that he started within us won't be put out. But it takes discipline on our part. To continue to grow in anything, we've got to discipline ourselves. And we actually don't really like that word very much. It sounds a little bit harsh and scary, But disciplining ourselves simply means we need to practice. If we want to continue to walk in God's presence, we have to practice coming into his presence in order to keep growing and experiencing more and more of him every day in every way. And as you do that, as you practice, it will get easier. And it will fill you with more and more joy and you will continue to experience a deeper hunger for him. But you have to choose to discipline yourself to come regularly into his presence. Because if we don't, We fall quickly back into our old habits and our old way of doing things, and we wonder why God suddenly doesn't feel close anymore. You know, you wouldn't expect to wake up tomorrow and run your very first marathon if you hadn't trained and practiced for months beforehand. You wouldn't expect to stand up on stage here next week as part of the worship team and and play the keys as amazingly as Phil did if you didn't practice and get lessons and get better. The same is true for our relationship with God. To keep experiencing the presence of God and to continue to have a greater awareness of Him every day to keep growing, to keep getting stronger. We actually have to keep practicing being in his presence, to stretch our spiritual muscles. And the disciplines we practice in our relationship with God will help us to experience and know more of his presence every day in every circumstance coming to church regularly, being in community, hearing teaching, experiencing God's presence in worship, praying together, doing life groups together. They'll all help strengthen you and grow you, spending personal time in God's word, learning to have a greater awareness of his presence with us and in us by his Holy Spirit. There's such important elements in helping us to grow and mature spiritually. But God doesn't want us just to keep his presence for ourselves. He actually wants us to share it with the world. In fact, Jesus made this very clear to his disciples just as he was heading up to heaven. He says in Matthew 28, "'Go and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. He's with us always by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Wherever we go, God calls us to share his presence, whether it's in our homes, in our families, at work, at uni, in the school playground, to the ends of the earth. God wants us to be his presence in our everyday lives, that others would discover who he is, his love, his kindness, his grace, simply because they've been around us and experienced the presence of God through us. You know, God's plan for the church was that when we gathered together as community, we would be empowered, we'd be trained, we'd be equipped, we'd be filled up in order to be able to serve God for the rest of the week, wherever we're planted. And that our homes would be places where God is worshipped with all of our hearts, His word shared in everyday conversations, and His presence seen through our good works towards one another. But we can actually find this incredibly challenging because all too often we compartmentalise our spiritual and our secular lives. It's kind of Sunday and then there's the rest of the week. It was never God's intention that we would come to church on a Sunday, that we would come into his presence, that we would worship him and we would adore him and then we'd leave him here until next Sunday to go back into our homes and our families and our workplaces and resume our, our secular lives without God present until we come to church again next Sunday and we get to experience his presence all over again. It sounds silly to our ears, but many of us actually live our lives like that. It was never God's intention God has always called his people to shine a light on what he was like by the way that they lived their everyday lives, firstly in their homes and then to those beyond. And this began right back in Deuteronomy and we're going to read this scripture this morning and I'm going to unpack it for us. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's the first thing. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We're called to do the same. We are called to live the same way. In fact, this scripture actually instructs us on how we can live our lives in order to bring his presence into our homes and from there into our everyday lives, wherever we go, and not just keep him for Sundays. We need to be. In fact, God calls us to bring the presence of God home. And to do that, Based on this scripture, we need to let the love of God fill our hearts and overflow into our homes. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, not just in your head, but on your hearts. Love God with all your heart. Soul and strength. Jesus himself later on reminds his followers that these were indeed the greatest commandments. Love God first and love other people. Write these commandments on your heart. Remember them. Live by them. Not just up here. Not just on Sundays when you gather together so that everybody thinks you're doing great. Let them be the very thing that gives you life. It's actually hard to love God with all your heart, soul and strength if you're only keeping him to Sundays. It's one of the reasons I've loved this series and being encouraged to practice the discipline of the presence of God every day, becoming more aware of him every day in every moment. It's hard to take the presence of God into our everyday lives unless we're living our everyday lives in his presence. It's hard. It's hard to take the presence of God into our everyday lives unless we're living every day in his presence. And as we do that, I believe what will happen is that, that his love, which is growing within us, will bubble up, it will grow in, uh, within us and bubble up and overflow to those that we come into contact with every day. Can I encourage you, find your way that you connect best with God and go there often. We all have different ways that we love entering his presence and the different ways that we enjoy being in God's presence because he's created all of us differently. And I really want you to hear this. I believe some people here this morning really need to hear this because you need to decide how you engage best with God and go there often. A lot of us carry guilt in how we spend time in God's presence because it doesn't look like the person next to us. Maybe we don't have that really disciplined, set, quiet time and we feel guilty. But you need to find how you connect best with God and go there often and then live out of the overflow of God at work in you. Many of you have heard me say that I love entering God's presence in worship and in community. I actually uh, work hard at disciplining myself to spend time alone with God, and it's one of the, the things that God has really reset in me over this, uh, this prayer and fasting season. But I love. I love it when we gather as a worshiping community doing life together. And so I go there as often as I can. I actually love the fact that I have to be at three services every Sunday. I love coming to Thrive, our women's gathering every second Thursday morning where we worship and we pray together and we do life together. I love when I get the opportunities to come to our Tuesday night prayer meetings and worship and pray together and lean into the presence of God. In your life groups, wherever it is that you gather to experience the presence of God, work out for yourself what that is and go there often. For some of you, it might be that you love listening to teaching. You love reading books. You love being in solitude. I do myself in when I'm in my own head. But if you love solitude, go there often. However you engage best with God, you go there often and allow his love to well up in you and transform you. Secondly, as we read this passage, in order to bring the presence of God home, we need to share the truth of God with the people in our home. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down, sorry, sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, This part here is really important for our parents this morning and I want as parents for you to take hold of some of these truths this morning but it's also true if you're a grandparent and it's also true if you don't have uh, children living um, at home. So please don't switch off but God has clearly instructed us that we're to teach our children to love God with all their heart to teach them that they too can experience his presence every day no matter where they are, that God actually lives in them and he can help them and speak to them. And Moses in this passage is suggesting a really natural process of teaching, a way of relating faith to life and life to faith so that knowledge grows out of the truth of who God is in our experiences out of normal conversations related to that experience. So that faith isn't compartmentalised and cut off from the rest of life and reserved for Sundays when they turn up at church and go out to kids zone. But it grows out of every aspect of our lives, whether you have children or not. You know, as teachers, educators, homemakers in the room, we know how to do this well on secular issues that we're teaching our children. We know how to teach them to count money when we're at the shops or these days how to use the credit card, swipe the credit card. But we know how in everyday life to teach and train up our kids. But we actually need to be doing this in the spiritual realm for our children because We need a generation of kids growing up who will courageously, wholeheartedly, authentically follow Jesus. The world isn't getting any easier for them and we need their faith to be strong so that they don't give up and lose heart, so that they don't wander away when they get older, so that they know how to follow in God's footsteps. It can feel overwhelming as parents. We know how tough the world is. We can't protect our kids from the world, but we can train them up for battle. Talk about God and what it means to love him when you sit at home. You know, many of us have actually lost the art of sitting and talking together. We lead busy lives Work finishes late, the TV distracts us because it's often easier just to come home and switch off and blob in front of the TV than to sit around the table and have a conversation. And none of these things are wrong per se, but they do become a hindrance because we actually neglect the responsibility that God has given us to train up our kids to invest in them while we can so that when they get older, they will know the path to follow. The scripture says when you walk along the road, again, not something we actually do that much with our kids anymore, but we do drive. We drive a lot. And the car is a really valuable space you actually have a captive audience and there's no escape. It's a powerful tool. Actually, I've found even as my kids have gotten older and now they're all young adults, the car has been an incredible space where it's like one minute into a journey, they just start opening up. I don't know if it's just that they don't like the awkward silence that starts to develop when we get going, I actually wonder if it's more that they actually have a a captive audience in me and I'm not distracted by all the other things in life. I've had some amazing truth-revealing conversations with my kids in the car. And I say that just to, to simply say make the most of every opportunity that you can to speak God's truth into your children. Proverbs 22 verse six says, start children off on the way they should go. Some versions say, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not depart from it. See, just like us, our kids need to be trained in how to follow Jesus. Like the marathon, they need the training. We can't take it for granted that just because we love Jesus and we lead Jesus-led lives, that our kids will too, that it'll come naturally to them. We actually, as we practise ourselves, we have to help our kids to practise. They need us to train them. A recent survey uh, was done in the States by LifeWay Surveys on this very subject, and it's absolutely brilliant. If you want to go and read it as a parent, I recommend it. There's a whole lot of things in there that were completely eye-opening. But the goal of this um, project was to discover what parenting practices were common in families where young adults remained in the faith. So what affected their moral and spiritual development as they were growing up into young adults? That meant that they remained in the faith. And by young adults, I think it qualified as 18 to 30-odd-year-olds. So that's a significant um, age bracket where we often lose our young adults out of the church. This survey was fascinating, very insightful, and I just want to highlight four of the positive practices that this uh, survey highlighted to help um, our children remain in the faith as they get older. The biggest factor, might not come as a surprise, was Bible reading. Children who actually read the Bible while they were growing up were more likely to have a vibrant spiritual life once they became adults. The Bible helps our kids to get a biblical framework for life. God's Word is powerful. Even though um, our our times with um, our kids at home weren't necessarily that great. We used to try to, to make time around the dinner table and do some kind of devotional together. When they were younger, we had a, a kids' devotion we read through as they got older. We would read through the Bible and unpack some of those truths. Part of the problem for us that was that it always ended up in about a 30-minute three-point sermon from Jason, and our kids started to get a little bit antsy about uh, devotion. times. But they, they had this space where they got to ask questions. We got to unpack the Bible and scripture and bring life into them. And I'm praying and trusting that what I've invested in my kids in that space, no matter how lame it might have felt to me at times, has actually done them good as they now come into their young adult years. And to be honest, my kids still love this space. When we actually get to gather together as a family and we sit around the table, the conversations that we have and the deep questions that they ask are phenomenal. And they can actually handle the the 30 minute three point sermon so much better now that they're older. But it's been such valuable time. Some of you simply need to rediscover the art of sitting together. Some of you need to just switch that TV off and help your kids get into God's word. Every week in our our Kids zone, if you're a parent here, you know that they give out parent cue cards. Can I encourage you Make sure you use these. You'll be able to have conversations with your kids. If it's it's one challenge that you need, one idea, grab this, put it in your car, and one drive this week. Pull out the cue card. Ask them some of the questions on there. Ask them what they learnt in Zone. Bring God into their every day, every week. These are fantastic resources as parents. And grandparents, if you want to grab them too, I'm sure they'll print extra for you because these are fantastic and help our kids to understand Jesus through everything that they're learning on Sundays and taking him into their everyday week. Very close uh, behind Bible reading in this survey is a significant factor in helping young people to remain in the faith as they were older. These two came very close together was prayer, which you're probably expecting. The surprise is serving, prayer and serving. You know, we teach our kids how to talk to God as a friend through prayer, teaching them that they can come to him anytime, anywhere, and have a very natural relationship with him, very natural conversations. But again, it can be hard finding intentional time. But it's important to find whatever time you can to train your kids in how to pray. I know, again, a lot of parents who use the car trip to school every morning to pray with their kids. You've got that captive audience already in the car. You're teaching them that they can have a normal conversation and pray about their day. They can bring their friendships and their their school lessons and their concerns about the day to God together. Teach them what it means to come into his presence through prayer. And serving, I found this really interesting. Let me read exactly what it had in this survey. Because I think this is really important. The habit of serving others in the church and community likely formed these young adults in a way that kept them from being merely church-going consumers, but instead they became contributors to building up God's people. We live in, our our generation coming up behind us are such consumers. And it's no different when they come into the church. So imagine if we as a faith community helped them to know how to invest outside themselves, to serve, to be contributors, building up God's kingdom. I actually love it when I see our young people serving here. Gorgeous little girl at the beginning of the 8 o'clock service on our welcome team. We have young people serving in our coffee shop, in our kids' zone, in our youth spaces. Even some weeks you'll see our young people here in the worship team contributing, building up the kingdom of God. It's a worthwhile investment as a family to the spiritual growth of our kids. And maybe you've been thinking of encouraging your kids to get involved, to, to volunteer. Can I encourage you? Just do it. Encourage them to pursue their passion and their dream to be involved. Don't let fear stop your kids. Just do it because it will help them to remain connected and strong in their faith. The last um, highlight that I want to point out in the research uh, was the importance of listening primarily to Christian music. And that didn't specify worship particularly, but Christian music, wholesome music. And goodness knows we hear some of the songs on the radio today and we can understand why this is the case. But I'm never again going to mock the fact that all my growing up years, I got stuck listening to Evie and the Music Machine on repeat because I know that somehow they were good for my spiritual growth. You know, and there's a whole stack of fantastic Christian musicians out there at the moment. For instance, our very own Dan Warlow has three CDs now for kids to engage in worship and God, and he's going gangbusters across Australia. If you follow him on Instagram, he's having concerts from one end of the country to the other, just sharing this worship music with kids. My kids uh, grew up with Colin Buchanan, any other Colin Buchanan fans in the room, I can probably still sing nearly every one of those songs to you because they were on repeat in our car, at home. We even had the DVDs. And in fact, uh, Colin Buchanan was fantastic because some of the songs that he sang were actually scriptural. So my kids were not only engaged with Christian music, but they were learning scripture. In fact, I still cannot read Isaiah 53, 6, without the you know intonation in my voice or oh, you like sheep have gone astray yeah i will stop there but uh thanks to me you're going to have that song in your head now for the rest of the day i i am 536 brilliant brilliant lastly from this passage in Deuteronomy we're encouraged to bring the presence of God into our homes by shining a light on God by the way that we live. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically, show everyone that you are my disciples by the way that you live out your life in public. You know, many Jews took this scripture quite literally and the Pharisees in Jesus' time liked to make this great display of how committed they were to this teaching. They literally took mini scrolls of scripture and they put them in little boxes And they tied them on their left wrist and some of them wore them dangling around their heads on their foreheads for everyone to see how devoted they were. And they'd have scripture written on scrolls and put on the doorposts of their houses so that people walking past could see how devoted they were. It was quite fascinating a couple of years ago when, we, uh, when I got to go to Israel and see some of the Orthodox Jews still practice that. Walking around with little boxes on their heads is very strange. But what Moses is saying here is that parents are to lead by example, to show loving, honest, open, forgiving, responsible lives guided by the scriptures in the presence of their children. Be a household that's known for its faith and its love. You don't have to wear something physically to be able to display that. It's in the way that we live out our lives. It's out of the overflow of the presence of God, the love of God that we allow to well up in us. Our influence starts in the home, whether you are a parent or not. What we practice in the home should be taken with us when we leave the home. Now, the doorposts and the gates of houses take us figuratively and physically into contact with the outside world, showing our behaviour towards relatives and friends, towards neighbours, workmates, in our schools and in our societies at large. Are you taking what's written on your heart, what you practise in your homes, to the rest of the world because there's a hurting and broken world out there that desperately needs to know the love of Jesus. We always have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus that we, with those that we come in contact with simply by the way that we speak, the way that we show kindness The way that we show concern and forgiveness and joy and patience and all the fruit of the Spirit that wells up within us as we allow the practice of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit within us, to flow out of us, in our homes, in our everyday. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You are, you are the light of the world, Jesus says. God's most powerful moral tool in a world where moral standards are low, constantly changing or non-existent, a world that is full of darkness, God says you are the most powerful moral tool. His people. It's us. We are the light of the world. When we allow the presence of God to be at work within us by his Holy Spirit, his light starts to shine brighter and brighter. And we have the incredible privilege of helping our kids to shine brighter too. That way, when we do go out into our secular world, our world outside church, our world even outside our family, we get to shine a light that helps others see who Jesus is, a light that comes from within us. You are the light of the world. And what's true in the physical is true in the spiritual. We're called to be a light, And we know that light chases away the darkness in the physical and in the spiritual. God is not to be kept secret. We need to let the light that is within us shine brightly for others to see, to help chase away the darkness. But light can be hidden. It can be hidden. And the obvious link to darkness in our lives is sin. And sin can indeed become a dark cloud in our lives that stops us from being the light that Jesus calls us to be. And there's circumstances too that if we allow them can diminish or hide our light rather than allowing those circumstances to help us shine brighter. I used to really struggle with this scripture I wonder if there's some of you out here this morning that struggle with it as well. Because I read that you are the light of the world, and I go, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't shine that brightly. I actually worried that if I shined too bright or if I shared too much. That people wouldn't actually like what they saw. And in fact, what would happen is that people were turned away from God rather than towards Him. This verse actually made me feel like an incredible fraud. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be a light bearer for Jesus. And maybe some of you feel that too. But then a few years ago, God gave me a, a new perspective on this scripture. And I know that it's not exactly what the scripture is saying, so please bear with me. I'm simply sharing with you what God uh, spoke to me. And, And I pray that it helps to change your perspective as well and helps you to shine your light. You see, God was never asking me to be perfect before I could shine a light for him. In fact... A light shade with no cracks in it fails to let any light come out of it. So all the effort that I was making to be this perfect Christian in order to shine a bright light for Jesus was actually wasted because it was never going to show the light of Jesus within me. And God showed me this picture of um, a cracked vase. And He said, Susan, that's what you are. You're the cracked vase. And I thought, yep, He's right. In fact, my cracked vase in this picture was pretty ordinary. But in this picture, as, as I allowed God to shine His light in me, something incredible happened in my cracked vase. And I actually realized that it was because of my cracks, rather than despite them, that I shine a light for Jesus. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill. This is big as my hill can get with work, health and safety practices, we practice them well here in this church. You are the light of the world. It's a bit wobbly. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hill. You know, all the cracks in, in my life actually get to show Jesus to others around me. These cracks are shaped by my experiences, by my sin, by my humanness. And that's where people get to see Jesus in me. In fact, it's through my imperfections that makes my cracks unique and the story of my life unique. When you allow Jesus to shine a light on your brokenness and on your pain, he will shine a bright light of hope for others to see. Now this crack here was shaped by my low self-esteem as a teenager and learning that God in me was always enough, helping others to see that God in them was enough. Now this crack here was shaped by my fear but it got to show others that that Jesus shines a light on my fears and that I can overcome them, that he is enough, that I have nothing to fear in him and neither do others. This, shape, this crack here was shaped by a particularly rough patch in my marriage that Jason and I went through, a time where we were saying and doing hurtful things to each other, quite a, a painful time. But through that crack, I actually got to teach my kids that marriage does take hard work and commitment, even when leaving seems like the easier option. Now this crack here was shaped by a really painful period that we walked through as a family when Bronte went through anorexia, but that crack, That crack has helped me shine a light for others in their darkness and put a hope in their heart that God can bring healing. You know, some of these cracks are shaped by my sin, sin that I battle with daily, so that God's forgiveness and grace to a sinful world could shine through Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My sin helps others to see that. So many cracks, so many more still to come. But our families, our workmates, our friends don't need to see a perfect shaped life, an unattainable goal that they'll never be able to reach. If we're to shine brightly like a city on a hill, they actually need to see God at work in our brokenness. How he is healing us and making us more like Jesus one day at a time. We're all cracked vases, we're all broken and imperfect but as we allow God to shine the light of his love and his grace through our cracks, the world actually gets to catch a glimpse of his incredible love and his grace for them too. The world needs us to shine. The world needs us to shine. It's why I love the church. When we live our lives authentically in community, we get to do life together in all of its messiness and its pain. And together, we shine a light to the world that tells of God's incredible love and his grace for them because of what he's done for us and in us. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of light bearer that I want to be, a beacon of hope to a hurting and broken world. Will you let your light shine? Will you let your light shine today? Because together, as a church and as community, our light shines better than when we shine alone, like a city on a hill. Together as we shine, we become like that city that cannot be hidden, for all the world to see God's love, his goodness, his grace for a hurting and broken world. What happens with light? People are drawn to it like moths to a light. Are we willing to stand together today and say, I want to be that light? I want to be that light bearer. I want the love of God to be in my heart, to well up and overflow to every person that I come into contact with. So that's what he's calling us to be. Not perfect, but in our brokenness, allow him to shine his light. I want to pray a special prayer this morning over our parents know, we're talking about bringing the presence of God into the home. And I recognize the challenge that there is for parents. In this day and age, it's only getting harder and harder. And I really want to pray a blessing over you and your family this morning. I wonder if you are a parent of school age kids or younger, I wonder if you'd be willing to stand where you are just right now. I just want to let God minister to you, to strengthen you, to equip you. And maybe if you're a grandparent who's, who's got some strong influences in the lives of those young children. And if you're sitting and there's people around you, can I just get you to to reach out a hand? Maybe if you're parents and you're all standing together, you can stand together, pray together, hold on to each other. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the incredible privilege that it is to be a parent. God, I thank you for the children that you've gifted us with. And we recognize this morning that it can be a real challenge to raise up our children, to help them, to follow in your footsteps, to train them, to train them in this marathon of life, to keep them strong, to keep them following you wholeheartedly, to keep them connected in the church, to teach them how to read their Bible and to pray and to give of themselves. God, we recognize that it's challenging. You are a good father and you've led us so well by your example. God, I pray that in each of these parents here this morning that you would fill them with courage, with strength with wisdom, with perseverance, God. I pray that you would daily prompt them in ways that they can have conversations with their children, engage them in what it means to be a follower of you, to help them shine brightly for you, God, in their schools, in their workplaces, as they start to get part-time jobs. God, would you grow them spiritually And God, I pray that the home would be a place of incredible fun, that as we learn what it means to follow you in our brokenness and in our humanness, God, that you would fill us with joy, joy to overflowing, that our homes are places that people love to come to, that even our kids' friends want to come to our places because it was so joy-filled. There's something different being in the presence of this family. Why? Because the light of God shines brightly out of them. God, I thank you for each of these parents. God, I pray for a protection over our families. We know that the enemy wants to rob and steal and destroy and he gets in in subtle ways that before long things are falling apart and God, we just pray your protection protection over our families. God, would you help us in the home to practise your presence, to practise, to discipline ourselves, God, that we might be strong in the battle that lies before us and that our kids would be strong in the battle before them. Bless our parents, bless our families, bless our grandparents, God.